0: Greetings, friends, welcome back to another very special episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, here for a brief introduction before tonight's very special podcast episode. Um, you're going to want to hang around for this one. It's a don't miss. But before that, before all the fun and games, the devilry begins a little business, guys. We are officially on Patreon. That's right, patreon.com slash Podcast. We are working on building a community there with your help. So the best thing we're trying to do right now, get us all together in one place so we can get to know each other better and we can get to know you guys better. We can learn what kind of shows you want us to discuss. So by joining Patreon, you will be able to actually help select and curate the show to be exactly what you want. We've had some great Zoom calls. Our Discord is really fun. So we're doing everything we can. We're coming up with content ideas constantly to keep uh, earning that hard-earned dollar from you to us. So for those of you who've done it already, we appreciate it so much. And for those of you who are about to, welcome and thank you as well. Again, that's patreon.com slash pod. for as little as $1 a month. You can join us on some Zooms and Discord and just dip your toe in, see if this is for you. And if you like us, You can choose uh, whatever tier you want and start moving up the ladder. The Highlander ranking system we use is very scientific and official, but we love you all equally. Thank you guys for the help. Something for free you can do to help the show. Please take a second right now and leave us a rating and review wherever you find the pod. That helps us defeat the algorithmic uh, oppressive overlords, right? That's our walls of Ludon here. Your ratings and review, your kindness and your kind words lets them know that we're worth sharing with everyone else. It's a great way to try to bring new listeners into the show. For those of you who've done it, thank you. Every time we see kind words about us, it does melt our hearts. Uh, You guys are the best. Thank you. You can go to YouTube and subscribe to our channel, Film Alchemist. We have video versions of most of our podcasts there along with some other stuff. We're constantly working on content ideas over there as well. So Film Alchemist on YouTube, stay tuned. You can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com to get a hold of Alex and I uh, talk with us about the show, things you'd like to hear covered. Anything you want to discuss, we're here for you guys. FilmAlchemistPod at gmail.com. We're also on all the social media that you guys are on. Find us there. We're waiting for you, man. All right. Enough business. Oh, just kidding. Patreon.com slash Pod. <laughs> gotcha. Pulled the rug out from under you. But it's going to be worth it because today's movie is one that i've been waiting to cover since we started this show today we're discussing ken russell's the devils starring pinnacle oliver reed uh the man that i hope i can grow up to be when i'm a full adult someday mostly oliver reed maybe not all the parts, but the cool parts the coolest man alive parts um the devils is a a challenging exciting film ken russell is Bombastic powerhouse filmmaker Oliver Reed is bombastic to the nth degree. It is a wild ride, and I knew I would need someone who could match the intensity level of this film. So I called on a friend of mine, Ashley Lynch, who I've met through the Junk Food Cinema family. They also have a Patreon uh, film patreon.com/slash Junk Food Cinema. So go join their community. I'm over there too. I love them. Great people, but Ashley is one of my favorites I've met. Ashley is a film editor, and one of the best Twitter followers you can uh, find at Ashley Lynch. She's always fighting the good fight, as I like to say. Ashley is insanely intelligent. She has an encyclopedic knowledge of film. But more importantly than that, Ashley just truly loves and lives for movies. And that is one of my favorite traits in people. Also, Ashley has one of my favorite laughs which is something that I hold near and dear. When I find someone with a great laugh, I I really try to get close with that person. I love a great laugh. But um, more than anything, I just love, honestly, everything about Ashley. And I knew that she would be up for the challenge of discussing this film with Alex and I. We were not disappointed. She brings amazing insight, and she's so interesting and clever. Uh, we knelt before her and Oliver Reed simultaneously. So we'd like to thank Ashley for making the time. We would like to thank you guys for making the time, especially those of you who are going to go join Patreon for us. All the support you guys give us means the world to us. So find Ashley stuff. Go to Junk Food Cinema. Help us out. Guys, let's spread the love. You see what happens when, when love fails, right? We don't, want, we don't want what's happening in tonight's episode, The Devil's. we are fortunate enough to be joined tonight by our friend, Ashley Lynch. Welcome to the show. Awesome. Glad to be here, guys. <laughs> All right, Ashley, before we dive into this absolutely fucking batshit movie, would you like to tell the people a brief introduction, who you are, where they can find
1: you online, uh, anything you want to plug? Sure thing. Uh, My name is Ashley Lynch. I'm an editor in film and TV. Currently, I am editing Lego Ninjago going into the new season on that one. And the previous season is just wrapping up now if you want to check that out. And if you want to see me basically being an online social media terrorist, you can check me out on Twitter (laughs) at Ashley Lynch, where I basically just bat trolls around and make them cry for their moms. Uh, But that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, I we're going to need the walls of Lou to keep out the Zack
0: Snyder fans, I think, for letting you yeah, in. Wow. <laughs> no, your Twitter feed is probably at least 80% of the reason why I'm still on Twitter, because it cracks me up. Uh, okay, so I have been wanting to talk about the devils forever. Uh, I I think I've said on this show a bunch of times, Oliver Reed is the man I hope I can become when I'm a full grown-up. <laughs> Which, I, I'm old, but I'm not a grown-up yet, so I'm, I'm still hoping to like Pokemon evolve into Oliver Reed. And I, I, when I found this movie, I was like, holy shit, this is the peak Oliver Reed. Like, even more than The Brood, this is the one for me that captures so perfectly what Oliver Reed was uh, to me. But this, is, this movie uh, is somewhat of a hard sell for some people, I found. But Ashley wow. was nice enough to come along and talk about this beautiful Ken Russell movie with us. Ashley, would you like to start us off with your opening thoughts about The Devil's?
1: You know, I'm game for anything. You said, Hey, Ashley, you want to do The Devils? I'm like, sure. I didn't know much about the movie. I knew it was on shutter. I knew people is a you know, sort of like a big deal in cinema history, a Ken Russell film. It's like, okay, I'll go, I'll wait into that. And I had no idea what I was prepared for. And <laughs> let me just say, I am a changed person as a result. Uh, the vote's still out on whether or not that's a good thing or not, but it was a <laughs> hell of an experience, and it's something that's going to haunt me forever. I can tell you that. Uh, for the for the 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 short synopsis of it is basically um, medieval ages. Um, essentially, I can't remember the exact year. it's Like what, sixteen hundred or something like that. Um, there's this small French town, battlement town. Ludon, um, where a, a Catholic, yes a Catholic priest, uh, played by Oliver Reed, is basically like in lieu of an actual leader is the de facto leader that is holding this town <laughs> together, which many of many political rivals want to just demolish the town and build a road through it, and he's the thing holding it together, and um, and he basically becomes the subject of a Catholic witch hunt trial. Um, after he is accused by a uh, a young hunchback nun um, of basically consorting with the devil and invading her dreams because she has masturbatory fantasies about him, I
0: mean, don't we all? <laughs> he
1: doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I mean, you know, it's like like you said, this is peak Oliver Reed.
0: Peak Oliver Reed, but you have the ladies at the start. So, like, the nunnery is in an absolute tizzy because this beautiful new preachers in town.
2: (laughs) And so they're all all looking.
0: And you even see the ladies outside. So, like, the convents all riled up. And they're like, what? It's Jesus stuff. What? But they're all riled. So the hunchback lady, like, slithers into, like, a ground room, like, on the floor, like, close to the dirt to see him. And you hear these ladies outside say, now there's a man worth going to hell for. And that kind of sets the
2: tone of this entire movie. I mean, it's yeah. the whole movie right there.
0: <laughs> so, Alex, uh, walk me through your initial impressions of
2: Oliver Reed, man. <sighs> my God, dude. I uh Father Granger. My goodness. <laughs> that man uh that man could get it as far as I'm concerned.
0: <laughs> until he's shaved, heard. yuck.
2: Yeah. Until he <laughs> Yeah, until he's gone altered states, that man can get it for sure. Um I'm a... Uh, I'm a big fan of Oliver Reed as well. I don't try to, I'm not looking to avatar him, but I'm going to tell you right now, if I can get to a place in my life where <laughs> I can get out of bed and nag my wife while maliciously licking and like oh. waxing my mustache, my goodness, that will be like, we're just like, yes, yeah, nice try. Hmm. Just, just nonstop playing with that mustache, that scene right there. Like, up until that point, I was like, this movie's weird. Like, I'm not really sure this is going to be my cup of tea. And then that scene happened. And I'm like, why am I so drawn in? Is <laughs> it just because he's just constantly fixing that stash? Just like twiddling it and doing all kinds of shit while simultaneously telling this woman just like, yes, I mean, yeah,
0: no, that's that's the trick, right? Because the, the twirling of the mustache is such a sinisterly small thing, right? It's like, oh, this guy's pretty proud of himself. Yeah, you know, okay, I get Very impressed
2: that. with his libido, and but this the one.
0: fact is just that he so he fucks this guy's daughter. He's supposed to be giving la- sweaty Latin lessons to, and then he's just like, "Whoops!" And he's like, "I thought we were so perfectly spiritually bonded that we couldn't get pregnant." Which I was like, "That's a pretty good excuse." I've never heard
2: that. One I love how he like also hardcore blames her for her own problems. Like, listen, yeah. well, no, I'm sorry says, that my animal magnetism is your problem. Yeah, he
0: says this is the suffering you have he's to bear. Down you down know, for God. Yeah, I yeah. mean, and this this is the thing too, Ashley, because this movie starts essentially with like one of these like mermaid erotica shows, right? So the whole movie is setting up this weird. You can't really trust anyone's status in life, right? So it's it's a weird place to see to start with a priest in the movie that's your main character. Just oh, this guy's just throwing bones around. He's getting the nuns all wily. And, you know, he just doesn't seem to give a fuck. It's very
1: much that that Ken Russell thing where it's all got, like, that sort of Baroque sensibility to it where everyone is extra lusty, everyone is extra flirty, everyone is pantomiming and gesticulating (laughs) wildly because it is all a large theatrical production. And it's very much kind of presented in that sort of way for what is otherwise an incredibly grim and stark tale. But in the hands of Ken Russell, all of a sudden it becomes this lively, colorful, almost joyful and, and vibrant affair. And it, it's, a, it's a very weird combination that even throughout even once you get to the end of the film, I don't think I fully kind of reconciled that tonal imbalance. And it's not a, it's not a negative to the film. The film is purposely doing it. I think the film works as a result of it. But it's also very off-putting. And it makes it very hard to get a good foothold on the narrative of the film. Well, it's weird because all of these,
0: these normal things that we have in our society today, right? Like the government leader, the church leader. Everyone we meet in this movie, the movie goes to extraordinary lengths to fucking take the piss out of every single character we meet. So it becomes mm-hmm. this kind of running clown show, right? And so there's no character that you're ever like, okay, that's the guy. That's that's whose lens I will look through to understand this world. Right. And so when you think of it like – and I had forgotten too that this movie has the backdrop of the Black Plague. I thought mm-hmm. this was kind of after the coming out of the Black Plague, right? So you right. look at – we start off with this, you know, the king kissing the ring of the church. Oh, there's a religious war. We pan through that. Now – that scene when Oliver Reed comes out and he's like, well, have fun raising your baby. <laughs> and he, he walks outside and it is just fire Man. and piles of corpses everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, I thought that was the moment where I, where you're like, oh, okay. So this is what we're doing. Right. Is in a world like that, how the fuck does anyone have faith in anything? Right. Cause now we're, we're on the journey of the, the preacher who has no faith and is trying to philosophize his way out of being better at life. Right, and you walk outside, and you're like, "Yeah, why not just fucking go bang everyone's wife and daughters? Like,
2: <laughs> this world sucks. This is a there horrible world." There was this world. like really interesting yep. play on Catholicism. Like, I was raised Catholic, and it's <laughs> fucking weird, man. Like, there's just no. We've talked about it a million times on the pod. Like, there's no bones about it. Catholicism is just kind of weird to me. But like, um, this is probably like the. I think this is honestly like. <laughs> The most honest anyone's ever gotten about what it actually is to be Catholic was like, listen, if you have sex, you're very bad. But I mean, have sex anyways. What, what are they going to do? Like kill you? Like it's not that big a deal. And like <laughs> Oliver Reed sets this tone the entire time, like <laughs> just constantly like like not only having like having sex is the first like first time we see him is literally post-coital, but then like nonstop stop. <laughs> Honestly, that scene where he's like given the conf- the confession to the woman that he just had sex with, and he's like listen, it's not my problem, it's yours. Move on. Get out of here. It's <laughs> th- it's that kind of stuff. And I don't know if you guys picked this up, but uh have you guys ever seen a performance from Nicholas Rogue with like Mick Jagger? No. Like this had no. like heavy performance vibes for me. Like it's super almost dreamy There's a lot of weird camera, like crazy camera angles. And then also just Mm -hmm. a lot of moving camera, like a lot of moving camera. And this is not like the set is so big, like it's so vast and so intense and like stark. It's really fascinating to me, like how much the camera moves, because I mean, I feel like in the hands of any other filmmaker, they're going to celebrate this production design and spend all this time (laughs) with like these big wide open (laughs) shots. And we spend so much time in the close up, like scaring the shit out of you like that scene where they're de- where, um, they're trying to help the lady who uh, the the mother of the, wo- the mother of the woman who ends up marrying Oliver Reed, like where she's like, is she is she she have the plague. She has or is the she plague. Just sick? Yeah. Like, yeah. So she's like plagued out. And then the weird like botany people are in there trying to help her out. But mm-hmm. that scene, too, I'm just like, this is very feverish, like oddly so. And in like hands yeah. of anybody other than Ken Russell, it feels like such a weird it would be such this like like you were saying, actually, like really grim and kind of like stark moment. But, yeah, because it's Ken Russell, it's this fucking fever dream with like fake alligators <laughs> and all kinds of shit. <laughs>
1: the fucking
2: that is the, one well, of my that's,
1: favorite scene. <laughs> <Steve. laughs> Go ahead, actually. Especially that scene, it feels like uh, there's like a comedic tone to it as well. Oh, totally. Like with the with the two, with the two um, you know, "quote unquote" doctors, um, <laughs> basically just like applying applying leeches and having this woman lay on an alligator, thinking that that might help cure the plague. It's oh just like God, they're whatever they can think of at it yeah. to like placate their own kind of BS sort of like experimentation. But these two guys have a kind of comedic back and forth uh almost like gesture, like quality to them that made me really think of like rosencrantz and Guildenstern. it's like has that kind of like totally large stage sensibility and those two characters they basically play like comedic counterpoints of like malevolent side characters throughout the entire film
0: yeah well that scene not only i was but that so there's a lot of stuff going on in that scene that i love but to add to the kind of like surrealism of it, I love it's probably the greatest power move in the history of cinema, which is some guy's like, Priest, you fucked my daughter, and he's like, Yeah, so what? And he sword fights him <laughs> with a crocodile. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like That, that is, was amazing. I mean, oh my If the God. movie ended right there, you're like, Yeah, that's absolutely worth all the admission I paid because <laughs> he yeah. fucking he's like, Fuck you, he mm-hmm. beats him with the crocodile and just fucking walks off laughing. And he's like, have yeah. fun with your now fucking defiled daughter. But that scene, before they get to the fucking awesome crocodile fight, that scene is kind of, it's, it's the delayed saves the cat moment, right? Mm-hmm. Where are in that moment. We've seen this guy tell this woman who he claimed, he is very poetic about, you know, we had love. We were a bonded spirit being kind of a sack of shit. Right. <laughs> but in that moment, walking through this, this land of plague, right? You're like, oh, so now we're in this, you know, man who doesn't care. Right. Right In that scene, they really pull in tight on a really sweater sweaty Oliver Reed, and it's almost the money changer thing, right? He actually is trying to give this woman some kind of relief at the end of her life, and he actually seems like mm-hmm. he cares about the suffering of her. So there, I think that's the extra level, because you could just do – like you, we see this a lot with Nicolas Cage, where they're like, you're good at that one thing that gets memed. Do that to Eleven. And right. Oliver Reed in this movie could have been that, right? Like if you made this movie today, it would have to be Nicolas Cage almost. But that's that's the thing. They gave him these willing. moments of God actual willing. humanity tucked in there.
1: I think you touched on it earlier too when you're talking about how like it's such a shitty world, it's like why not go out bang everyone? And the way this this film presents basically uh systems of power Is that it's there is no such thing as uncorrupted power. Even Oliver Reed, like he's using his station in life to get laid at the beginning of the film. And the only thing that's different about him, the only thing that elevates him as a person in the film is the fact that he does genuinely care about the people in the town and wants to wants to help them, wants to serve them, wants the town to thrive. And he's the only one who's, you know, actually doing that. But all throughout the film, it's like, whether it's the church, whether it's politicians, whether it's the king, whether it's people in in the clergy, it's like, these are all people who are using their power to get more power, yeah. and everyone is corrupted, absolutely. There are no pure people in this, yeah. especially in a film that is dealing specifically with people who have, especially the, the nuns, have physically enclosed themselves to try to maintain purity and find out that that's impossible.
2: Yeah, for sure. No, I think the social commentary on, so I was saying earlier, like the social commentary on Catholicism and just like God fearing people in general is very, very fascinating, but also like staggeringly true. Like there's just so much like <laughs> the, the the power <laughs> corruption is so terrifying. Like even in a movie like this, that is like, almost slapsticky with it like it's almost just like like griffey like that fucking scene where that alligator versus sword fight is the fucking movie like it's it any (laughs) other person making this movie it borders on slapstick like it's a fucking benny hill sketch and yet it is like an emotional corner piece she's like wow this guy doesn't give a shit he will fuck anything that moves and just be like, God, move on. Like, that's it. <laughs> it's utterly unreal. And like, if you, but, and then like, once you like, cause honestly, like it took me like two days to process what I had watched. Like <laughs> i spent like two days, like really considering. And I'm like, wow, that is like, like you were saying, like a really fascinating truth to power and corruption in general is just yeah. like, there is no, there is no God. There is no guidance here. Like, it's literally just a guy who's like, I am omnipotent. I say what goes. And that's right. what makes Vanessa Redgrave's character so weird to me is she's supposedly she runs the she runs the the abbey like she runs this. She runs this crew.
0: Yeah. Well, she's the only character that I would I would say is truly a tragic character. Right. Because they, mm-hmm. they don't really spend enough time with Grandier's wife. She could have been, right? Because she just lost a woman to Plague, and in that moment of kindness seems to latch on to him. They tried. But she doesn't doesn't have enough moments in the script, right? She has that great scene where it's like, just stay with me, like, stop fighting this. Because the thing about Grand J is, while he seems like he's doing good, right, there's also this bit of him where his whole journey could be hollow and false as well, which would be really true to the theme of the movie that he dislikes, now he's like, the even bigger deal, right? Now I'm the governor, right? So, right. But mm-hmm. I think that the thing with Vanessa Redgraves' character is not only is she this hobbled woman, um, but she seems at the start like she's really trying. She actually has this moment of, it's this almost touched by God moment where she just sees this man from the ground, through the smoke, between people's legs, and something just gives in her, right? And she has this idea that he'll be, He'll lead the convent. And then they have this this really I thought the dream sequences are Ken Russell's kind of surreal dream alternate reality sequences. To this day, I don't think anyone does those better than him, right?
2: Yeah, because so, it's the whole uh, movie. It was called the Devils we all watched. Right. <laughs> but i say specifically
0: <laughs> the the Madonna video in the middle, right? Where uh, it goes black and white for a minute. And so she's seeing Jesus on the cross, and that whole scene to me is really instructive of this movie, right? Oh, Which wow. is she is standing above the crowd, right? Elevated above the crowd and not deformed, you know, screaming her laments that Jesus has been gotten, right? So that mm-hmm. tells you a lot about her headspace, right? This suffering is, uh, you know, divine or whatever. Right. But as she watches, then Jesus turns into Oliver Reed, and he comes down. She starts licking the spear wound, and they just start, like, straight up fucking. Yeah. Right? And then there's – well, no, I can't, I might be mixing two moments because there's also the moment no, when she – that's what happened. She kneels before no, him that, and her her it. her hunch yeah. reappears.
2: Right? Well, and then knelt- Oliver
0: Reed's like, ooh. And the people laugh at her and she's like, look at me.
2: Look, oh, I'm Oh, I thought beautiful. that actually happened.
0: Well, no, there there are two moments, right? Because there's, there's the, you know, I'm going to fuck Jesus. The first one – That's see, how is,
2: insane this movie is. Yeah, right? <laughs> there's just a lot of Jesus <laughs> fucking. But,
0: no, the first one is – uh Jesus is walking like Scott Stapp from Creed across the pond and she licks the feet and that's when her hump returns. And now she's screaming because all of a sudden now there's a crowd laughing at her. So you get a lot of her psychology. And right. then when she's, you know, above Jesus, it's her and Jesus. And then Grandier becomes the Jesus, right? There's a, the movie does a lot of this with the nuns too, which adds to the sadness, this bride of Jesus thing that I remember hearing about a lot as a kid. Cause I was also raised religious. Didn't take, but this whole married to God celibate woman's club is is kind of sadistic way to put make people live their lives if you think about it, and this oh, yeah.
1: feels like the
2: natural outcome. Fed.
1: I th- I think the Vanessa Redgrave character is so interesting in this film because she comes off like she is a zealot. She's a true believer. Mm-hmm. She is the one who is in charge of all of these young nuns who are all really kind of young and flighty and flirty and they're putting on little shows for themselves just to cut the yeah. boredom because they've physically sealed themselves inside a tomb, essentially. That is their life of just like... Sitting in a, in a room and praying to God—that's all they do. Right, and she is the mother of all of them, and she comes off like a hardcore zealot, especially you know when we see also her internal beliefs, where she's fantasizing about about Jesus and about Oliver Reed, and then she flagellates herself because she's trying to punish herself for her impure thoughts. But when um, when Oliver Reed's wife comes to visit her, when she's like. Pokey, well, I wonder what religion path I should go on, and talks to, uh, talks to Vanessa Redgrave. She kind of lets down the veil, and she says all the women who are in here are women who were impure, or couldn't marry, or ugly, or incapable. They cannot achieve a station in which they can be a normal wife to someone in this patriarchal religious religiosity world that we have. And so the only place for them is to come and seal themselves inside this tomb. And Mm -hmm. it's not even so much that they are, they are servants of God that this is anything that they believe it's that this is the bottom run destination for women like this. And in a sense, she's no different. And it's kind of like this stark removal of the religion and imposing of the limitations of women in the society upon this cloister of nuns. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting is it basically takes this whole, like in the very beginning, they're all climbing up on the walls to try to take turns and get a peek out this little slit in the ceiling so that they can get a look out all over Reed's ankles and just like, you know, masturbate <laughs> to that at night. On the scene. Oh yeah, man. You know, and because this is, this is all it takes to get them off. And yeah. it, it turns into, it, it almost ends up being like a you know a prophetic reverse incel analogy because it's all <laughs> these women who have sexually removed themselves from society because they are undesirable to men. And now they punish themselves for basically the lust that they have for other men and blame the men for it. And yeah. they created their own little insult culture and it's just gender flipped.
0: Yeah, it's it's so weird because this convent, I was like, this is completely Lord of the Flies, right? And it, it's strange because mm-hmm. I guess we always, or at least I was always raised to imagine nuns out in the community, right? Handing out bread, clothing people that need clothes, like doing work for the community, the people that right. needs. The idea yeah. that you just take these women and hide them, right? And the other thing I didn't, it didn't land on me how sad that was. Is not all of these, you know, Vanessa Redgraves has a deformity. She says some of them are, you know, ugly, this and that. A lot of the women in there are only there because they come from nobility, but not noble enough to have money for a dowry. Right. So it adds this extra, mm-hmm. oh, this is why this is more of like, this felt like a national lampoon sorority house. Right? Where you're
1: just like, yeah,
0: well, we'll do whatever the fuck we want. We'll party. Yeah. Uh, We caught the head lady masturbating so now we're gonna do like a a reenactment pornographic stage show of her and <laughs> oliver reed like the one lady's got a mustache they did costumes and they don't give a fuck mm-hmm. that she watches no. right they found out grand jay's married, and they're like let's recreate this And i'm like don't you have we started the movie with her telling a nun you're gonna scrub the floors and pray now we're just doing like theater in the park yeah now we're just doing now we're just doing theater camp. Yeah, and, and why not? Because imagine being in the nobility, and then through no fault of your own, just, we're noble, but not noble enough, bye. And you're in the fucking box. So that the sadness of the nuns, because it, it's all channeled through Vanessa Redgraves, but the nuns in general just, here you are to just be these lost toys, right? And then we will only pull you out when we knew it need to do a performative mass execution right. and turn you into, you know, mm. a Vegas stripper show, right? Like Showgirls. So that we can prove that there's a devil and convict this man. It's they're they're almost more sad. We have to put the tragedy on them because they're not even given a character. Right. They are just these puppets for this this ruse and it's it's fucking horrible, man.
2: <laughs> it's it's a strange thing. <laughs> it it creates what is the
1: like the big turn that gets the film really going. It's like Ken yeah. Russell isn't so much concerned with um, with Catholicism, he's like, well, it's like in, in his view, in the film's view, Catholicism is just an avenue for politicians to get power. And yeah, people yes. who are within the Catholic Church are just people acquiring power. That's all it yes. is. And they're using re- religiosity to, to do that. But what, it, what he is interested in is saying that these women who have been sealed away, sealed themselves away from society as a result, have turned into a lusty pack of dogs because sexual repression <laughs> is the enemy in this film. These yeah. women are doing everything to repress their sexuality and divorce themselves of it. And what they discover is that you simply cannot do that. All it, all it takes is for Oliver Reed to walk by and it explodes out of them to the point where Vanessa Redgrave makes false allegations of I saw Oliver Reed fornicating with the devil.
2: Yeah. He's a witch. Yeah, he, now, he comes to, a trial to that so replacement that, priest.
1: <laughs> and and her, her entire impetus for it is that bring me Oliver Reed so I can face him with these accusations because she just wants to get close to him. Uh. And she sets in motion this giant political maneuvering to take out this guy who has made enemies
0: yeah well the, the hard part about that too is because she smacks up his new wife when she's like actually you're kind of rude and i don't want to be locked in there she's like you fucking whore smacks her around and you see the crushing defeat on her face like that woman gets to run away back to grand jay i'm stuck here and they're like hey the spiritual and- boot camp leaders here and she's <gasps> and she runs to him because she thinks He's going to be there, and she still ha- she'll still see me, right? It's There's still time. And when she sees Father Bullcut, she's just fucking crushed, and she starts just, like, babbling. And yeah. that babbling yeah. is then taken by the little fucking worms, and they're like, aha, now we've got our roots. And I don't even think this was her plan, because the really extra fucking no. sad part of it is, is that when they press her on it, right, they go in and they're like, this is fucking absurd, like, she just sounds like a scorned woman. And then, uh, you know, Father Warhol's like, oh, let me put on my fucking Jesus gloves and, you know, I'll get it out of her. The guy who looks like uh, Dahmer, right? And yeah. He's like, Father Dahmer's <laughs> like, I'll go over there and handle this. Well, next thing you know, he's he, got the he's fake signs. He's got some signs. really
1: hip fucking sunglasses he's wearing.
0: Yes, and he's got the sleeveless shirt. My
1: Father shirt.
2: Dahmer is looking <laughs> real sharp in this one.
0: <laughs> yeah, he, uh, that felt like a weirder casting to Jennifer Aniston in Rockstar. For those of you who've been
2: listening, (laughs) well, like when he when he shows up, like when he's like when he strolls in, first off, it's done in this like amazing presentational way. Like I fucking (laughs) love his entrance because it's like it's literally like a catwalk vibe. Like that's like the that is the that is what I felt. He walks in and he just starts going the low, like it almost (laughs) is southern priesty. You're like, dude, what is going on? Yeah, like. Because they've been talking about this guy. That was my favorite part. It's like the talk up of this dude. Like, oh, man, he is like super Jesus guy. Like, yeah. you don't even know. And he shows up and, yeah, he looks like like Jeffrey Dahmer and David Bowie had a kid. But that yeah. kid grew up to look just like Jeffrey Dahmer but have all the sensibilities. Yeah. of. He David. looks it's like so... a guy who
0: has a YouTube channel to tell you what is and isn't canon in Star Wars.
2: Yes, definitely, <laughs> <guy> for sure. <laughs>
1: Um, and with his costuming and his presentation and his theatricality when he enters, it broadcasts right off the bat. You have absolutely no illusions. This is a guy who is playing a part. He is yes, not a believer. Absolutely. At no at no point do you even question whether or not he has any religious sincerity, because you're told from the get go he does not.
2: Yeah. He's a fucking rock star. Like, he looks like a rock star. Like He looks like a guy who would be on stage, like, singing, like, with Judas Priest, almost. Yeah. It is like this weird thing. And to that point,
0: though, of how comical and stage performer he looks, that makes him one of the scarier characters in the film. Totally, Because you're like, this guy's just... He just likes walking around in a costume, essentially. Right. And that's one of the great moments is when the, you know, fucking curly the guy who looks like garfunkel or whatever who's like you know hey i'm here mm-hmm. to tear down the walls and he's like this is fucking crazy it's not working And he goes oh i'll make it work and him and the scientists go to work on vanessa Hartgraves or red graves and it is horrifying and the fact that he's just like mm-hmm. got her in a stranglehold while they're pulling out these giant hot water syringes and whatever and just the thought that you can do the things and then later when we see him wedging all of a reed and it's like, it's one of those things I think we all have in our minds that the people who perform terrible acts like this, it has to, in a perverse way, this is going to sound horrible, but it really means something to them, right? There has to be, like, some kind of great cause. Because imagine inflicting that kind of damage with no fucking code behind it. Oh, there's that you're absolutely just like, oh, some okay.
2: form of whatever sort of gratification you want to assign to it. Like, there is a... But more than anything, it is a personal lust for power i mean it's it's power like Mm -hmm. it's a lust for personal power like the power you have over someone of whether or not they can walk whether or not they can actually do the things that they like to function as a human being to have the power over that is seductive and dangerous and terrifying and all of these people all of these men have fallen has have fallen not victim but fallen slave to that sort of mentality before the movie even begins so when they show up it's it's all all bets are off. It's terrifying. I I don't know. There's one scene, by the way, the when um when they're when they're all conspiring against the uh, against Oliver Reed, and they all like come into close up, and then they cut and then they cut to a wide of it, and they're all literally like standing like <laughs> that foot football apart. huddle shot. Yeah, I. Again, like this is the comedy of the movie. I I started laughing. Like I was just like I know they're like conspiring against this guy, but this is one of the funniest shots in the movie. I didn't need the <laughs> shot either. Like I like clearly there's conspiracy going on. I'm like, "Yeah, it's a close up. It's fine. Like that's that's a very cool vibe." And then it cuts out and you're like, "Why?" I was trying to honestly like that shot boggled my mind. Like, "Why is it? Why do I need to see the 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 wide shot of them like literally about to kiss each other with with secrets?"
0: That is a really strange shot to add into the film. And it's one of those, when you watch a movie from someone like Ken Russell, you're like, he's not just like, ah, just fucking get it. it." You know what I mean? So there is a weird, I was like, is that supposed to be some kind of meeting of the minds? Right. I don't know. Maybe they're like hush tones. But then it's like, who are they fucking hiding it from?
1: Uh, I don't know. That was a strange shot. You're right about that.
2: It's It's such a very specific thing. By the time
1: you get to the end of the film when they're actually, you know, burning Oliver Reed on the stake, you see that basically the entire town, the town that for the most part loved him and he was helping protect, has entirely turned against him. They are now, the mob is entirely directed with hatred toward him. No, No one, with the exception of like his wife, feels for him. They're, they're all salivating with glee, some more than others, but it's like they kind of love the spectacle of it. And like the you know, in terms of performance, the film opens by presenting you with, you know, these dead torture victims who are just like hanging on these wheels of pain that, you know, high up above, like right. posted outside the walls in the town. And there's this constant performative cruelty that everyone has been subjected to and so in terms of like you know how can they perform these acts on on people it's like well they're being done every day it's normalized at this point you know it's like that sort of cruelty is just a commonplace thing
2: right
0: well i think it's so scary to just imagine it's like why do you even want power right that's what i always like when you kind of look into men like this and it's like if you just have no Mm. respect for life and you don't seem to get any joy out of anything like what is the is it just to put people on that stake and and not even the powerful men but then why the townspeople because the townspeople become this really fun kind of peanut gallery right they're they're like this living you know devil on our shoulder throughout the movie whether it's watching that's a weird thing they do the Vanessa Redgraves uh boiling syringe there's Mm -hmm. a shitload of townsfolk just watching and hooping it up Right, like they're just kind of cheering, mm-hmm. like oh, this is fucking great. Like two guys stand out and then they get, you know, attacked. Everyone right. else is just laughing. When we go to the, the big scene of the movie that kind of captures everything about this movie to me is the, the giant, you know, nun orgy. The nun the church spectacle. orgy. Yeah, because this is after mm-hmm. Father uh, Dahmer's, like, you know, will you blaspheme? You know, will you curse? Will you not be in control of that your actions? They're like, yes, oh, devil. right well, next thing you know, there's tits flying around and they're jerking candles off and burning Bibles. And that's a lot of the stuff you see when you look this movie up. Yeah. But that scene has got so much more going on because I think it's the mix of the townspeople and then the royal court and what's going on. Because it's like they're at a show, this stage show, like the one we saw at the start. And the king seems to be really enjoying himself. He's like, oh, there's like an Mm -hmm. actual bit of a... depravity going on here whether it is performative or not i think there's something else because the the king just is casually shooting raven people right that's his hobby yeah so something like this feels like he would really like it and the part that was the strangest to me is that he is fucking rope-a-doping father dahmer yeah and he gives him the vial of jesus blood and all the nuns stop they open it up there's nothing in there and he's just like, what's ruse? Are you playing boy? Like just gets carried out of the scene. And there's no consequence to that because he had specifically yeah. said, don't tear down the wall. He had given father Grandier uh, the note. So you're like, he knows what's going on. And he just fucking floats away laughing. Right. And that's the part mm-hmm. of the scene that I was like, holy shit, that is so yeah. nefarious.
2: I thought that yeah. was really strange, too, that literally it didn't in the movie. Like it should be the end of it should be like the consequence for Father Dahmer should be like whoa blast yeah. famer, bro. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's also the, that's also the
1: part that shows basically the hollowness of um, the re- religiosity at play here, where basically he's able to take this totem and hold it high above and command people to do his will under the power of this totem, and then immediately take it away you oh, I lied. It's an empty box. Ha, joke's on you. And it, they just kind of pass it off. Well, it's like, it doesn't matter. On to the next thing where I'll continue to use Catholicism to wield like a cudgel to make you do what I want to do. And right. it's, it's all, it, it gets to the point of how hollow it is and how insincere all yeah. the aspects of religion and the society are. Well, it's
0: almost like he laughs because you could argue he's a bit of a victim of the Catholicism too, right? Because there's the wheelchair cardinal that they're rolling around, Richelieu, and he has that great line where they're like, but the king said not to do this. He's like, the king will come to find that this is God's will, right? And, you know, he being God, all the holy men in this movie see yeah. themselves as God. Maybe they all oh, do. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's just how it goes. But the king, even when Richelieu's like laying out the reasons why they have to destroy Don and he's like, yes yes he's like fucking god and he has to kiss the ring so maybe he's just laughing now that the catholicism is turned elsewhere you know maybe he's enjoying seeing that you know from the audience and not being the victim of it and it just it gets to this i think there's just and that's the moment where you start to despair in the film because you're like oh shit the king (laughs) left and then we just come back and we're just doubling down on tortures right because now vanessa redgraves is chained up And they're still going at her twice as hard. The nuns are still dancing around naked. And you have this moment where you're, wait, what just, what happened? I thought we uncovered the ruse. Like, we're going to go back. It's going to be fine. Oh, God. They're just doubling down. And Oliver Reed comes in and does his fucking fiery, like, you have perverted the church. I forgive these women, blah, blah, blah. You know, he says all of these, you know, powerful priestly things. And then they just go
2: get him and you're like oh god okay. Oh and it's interesting so you bring that up like <laughs> oliver reed storming in there saying like you have perverted the church reminded me a lot of this is because i went to church reminded me a lot of when jesus went into the church after um everyone in the town had used it as a marketplace the money it changers felt, yeah it felt very similar to that moment in the bible and i was like this is interesting because obviously in the bible it's jesus christ you don't but like this is the this is like the perversion of that moment itself. They're like, nice try. You are fucking done, sir. Like they like they st- they take him down. Like it's this fascinating inverse of the Bible itself, which is it's which is the movie in a nutshell. Like it well, is, this- and
0: it's the crossbow guys, right? So they're the guys that had his back and were ready to start firing to save the walls, right? And said, "Good job, father. Only you could do it now." I don't know, the time delineation in this movie, who knows, right? But not long in the future, then, mm-hmm. like, all right, you're obviously a fucking uh, a Satan Charlatan, fucker. yeah. You know, and they're, like, going to take him out? And you have that, that just utter moment of it didn't even matter. Everyone knows what this is. And once you find that out, it all becomes worse because then you're like, oh, fuck, so why are they still doing this to the nuns? Why do they never release the nuns? They don't need anything after that first moment. They don't need anything after the king yeah. calls it out for sure. Like, why are they still I, again, torturing?
2: It's, it's power, man. Like, it's pure power. There's this sadistic, that's the sadistic streak to me. Like, See,
0: that's more than power. That's something else because they already have the power. The moment he steps foot in that town, he's fucking done. They already have their Ku Klux Klan fucking trial or whatever. Those judges are bought under those hoods and robes. So there's no reason to keep this fucking charade going. And it's, it's, it, I I don't, I don't really know what I made of that, but it was, it just was, that's the moment where I like, I really sank the lowest. I think
1: it's for what happens. I think it's for what happens past the story. If you can imagine that far, because like I think you got at it earlier when you're saying like, who would even want power in this type of system or this type of world and I had that sense too, like halfway through the movie, it's like, oh my God, who would, who would ever want to have power? Cause all that's doing is pinning a fucking target on your back. Right. You know, the entire time, <laughs> like they they come out, they come after Oliver Reed and the entire time that they're like torturing him and whatnot. I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, witch hunter father, you know uh the, the witch hunter mod dude. Father Dahmer, yeah. Father Dahmer. <laughs> yeah, Father fa-
2: Father Dahmer.
1: Um <laughs> I'm thinking about him. It's like, you know, you're really getting off on wielding this power, but how long before this power comes after you? Right. You're not going to be able to keep up this song and dance forever. And one day there's going to be some dude who's just like you who comes gunning for you, and Mm -hmm. you're going to find yourself being the one who's, who's tied to a stake and burned alive. And he can't see that far. And I think he's hoping that like, well, maybe if I can smartly wield this power, I can preserve and save myself from being subject to that. And that's why people want power. So like, self-preservation, in a sense, because then maybe they will be spared from the other systems of power. Yeah. but it also makes you a convenient target for people who want to take more power for themselves.
0: Oh so man. That moment with, uh, skin. yeah, for sure. Well, the moment with father Dahmer, cause there's probably five to 10 of these shots where the nuns are like clawing at him. Right. Yeah. And you're like, if this is a mm-hmm. zombie movie, he's guts. Like they're going to rip him open and they never do. And it's yeah. almost this like lustful. He's liking it. It kind of shows you the sad state of these nuns where, There's probably a part of them that's like, fuck, I want to kill this guy. But they can't, Mm -hmm. right? They just, they can't even in their mind imagine going after this guy. But the scene in the woods after he cuts the ropes and he's like, now you're my fucking orgy puppets. And the women all gather and start kind of clawing at him. He looks right at uh, the, the government stooge, right? Garfunkel. Yeah. And this fucking smile unfurls on his face like this is really fucking fun and i'm enjoying this and it's it just kind of fucking rips your heart out because you're like this fucking little piece of shit and that's 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 what i mean you always want to believe that even bad that's like one of those classic screenwriting truisms right is that bad guys believe they're the heroes of their story and this movie goes out of its way it's like nope no they do not And I don't think it makes them worse villains for it, right? It's one of those rare things where going against the grain Mm -hmm. works exceptionally well and cuts a lot deeper.
1: Well, and they're always representing systemic power too. It's the power of the church. It's the power of the politicians. And they're wielding it cynically. So even if they're doing it for their uh, their own gains and their own manipulations, they're still doing it at behest of that systemic power structure.
2: Yes. And so totally. ultimately, that's
1: what they're always representing.
2: Yeah, I think that's probably the thing that. Like, yes, I, I, yeah, I would kind of all, like, everybody in this movie, yes, is a villain, but they all, particularly mainly the men, uh, the men are all fucking scumbags, but every priest in this movie, any religious person in this movie, thinks they're doing the right thing for themselves. Like I think that's like the most important mm-hmm. thing about what the movie's saying about Catholicism in general, which is that this is a selfish portion of this is a selfish religion. And that is truly like, to me, like my takeaway from the devils in general is just the selfishness of man is so profound mm-hmm. that they would use this thing that is supposed to be otherworldly good to inflict pain, pestilence, Seize power, like all the things you're not supposed to use religion for is what this movie is, is is what they're doing in this movie. And for me, that's one of the most profound things about it is like every single person in any sort of position of power within the religious model is so out of their depth, beyond comprehension, not even considering the altruism of the situation, like doing the right thing. Even the nuns in a lot of ways, like most of the nuns also are like, I'm not really interested. Like I, I agree with Griffey. Like <laughs> yeah. the the conceit of a nun for me is also like someone out in the community. The nuns that we had when I was in middle school and high school, they were part of the community. They were always they're like helping.
0: super grandmas. You're like, yeah. they will always be there when someone needs it's them. Bizarre. And you were beer them. Right. No, it's
2: bizarre. Cause it's essentially these nuns in this movie are there to keep, The fear of religion intact almost i think they're almost scarecrows right yes that's a great way to better fucking
0: watch out (laughs) like this could be you but i think that's what what you get at is not even the it's not the power of the church i think what happens with with a lot of religions right because i think it's inherent in all of us to want to have a code of goodness and we always hope that people follow with it i think the insidious part of religion sometimes is that the people that try the hardest to really live the good lives almost mark themselves as like, Hey, we're great prey. Right. And people know that. And they come in and fucking feast on these people who are just trying oftentimes because, you know, maybe they're at the bottom and this is the, the grand bargain is I'll be as noble as I can and have an eternity of, you know, heaven orgies, which are the best kind. And <laughs> <laughs> so that's like this long-term layaway. Right. And, once you mark yourself as that and your goodness becomes this fucking it's like blood in the water for these fucking more evil bastards right because you see you know grudon just spouting fucking religious platitudes and this and that and you know the nuns know some platitude and it just i think that's the saddest part and then you see this grand fucking you know religious Ku klux klan trial whatever the fuck that was where he's trying to be like Call me guilty of a man. Call me the world's worst sinner, but I could never be the devil's boy. And it's just this fucking, like, high theater. You're like, right. how about just saying, hey, I've never fucking devil whopped? Like, prove it. Fucking prove it. And they just... They don't even pretend. And so, to Ashley's point, when you get to that ending, where the whole city is just fucking having, like, a Mardi Gras, because this guy's going to get burned fucking alive. Yeah. I I don't know... It, it makes me a little sad that there's no kind of acknowledgement that there are probably some people in that town that that want to be good. It turns us into this fucking feral mob. And it, it's it's sad, man. That that yeah. ending is sad. Obviously. It's
1: a very nihilistic ending. Cause you're right. Yeah. There isn't like the best bit of repentance we have at the end of the film Is that the executioner promises that he will strangle Oliver Reed and that it will be quick. And because of the bloodthirstiness and pettiness of uh, Father Dahmer, it's like he sets fire to the stake. And the executioner, he's like, he's shouting, he's very sorry he can't get in there past the flames to strangle him. And he's like, very angry that his promise got reneged on because he's as despite being an executioner he's obviously an honorable guy and he's upset that he can no longer keep his word and that is the closest we get to any sense of repentance at the end of the film and all the townspeople like you said it's a mardi gras it's like they're it's it's a party atmosphere they're drinking and laughing and living it up and to them this is just spectacle they hold his own baby up and they're like, watch your daddy bird. Yeah. It's like, what
0: is happening? I mean, in a movie that shouldn't be able to shock you again, that one got me a little bit. I sat up and I was like, Sir, sir, like talking to my TV, like, have some class. What the fuck is right? You know, you're <laughs> just like begging the TV. But that's the weird thing, cause they try this ending where Oliver Reed's gonna go out with dignity. And to me, it actually kind of torpedoed itself. Right? Like the ending didn't work for me in that metric. Not that it it derails the film. But the whole, I want to look at myself in the mirror while I get my haircut, right? That's letting me know where yeah. he's really at. And then his whole, I hope that you'll for uh, that God will forgive you people when he says it mm-hmm. to the nuns. Because they, what they're trying to do is show you, in a world full of these fucking black liquid people, right? That just kind of roll across the place and destroy everything and are horrible and shifty. Here is a man who's willing to stand, right? He will fucking go down with the ship. And at the end, he's even burning about, look at your city. Look at your freedoms. But to me, that's such fucking horse shit. Yes. Because he has no so false. (laughs) It it almost plays into his narcissism again. Yes. Because it's his last chance to say, I'm not going out like some little fucking punk. Right. I'm going to stand here and I'll I'll get the best of you one more time because he's not helping the city. Mm -hmm. We see at the end, as soon as he's up in flames, the walls explode and they're like, oh, gotcha. Don't look at the man behind the curtain. And she just walks in black and white over the wall. Down, as Ashley said, the fucking misery road in black yeah. and white. Yeah. So there is no yeah. honor or nobility to what he does, right? No. You could say, yes, he never bent and he held on to his truth. But is that does that matter I mean, at
2: that point? But that's what it is like. It's a personal truth.
1: His life, his trial, his execution is all ultimately meaningless. Absolutely meaningless. It just oh, totally. kind of happens and there's absolutely nothing to be learned or gained from any of it. Yeah. It's just, well, sit with this audience. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's, it's a real fucking bu- Cause I would argue that this movie is actually super fun throughout a lot of it. Yes. It's very mm. heavy and people are as detestable as they can be. And we see a lot of wild sacrilegious stuff, but it has this kind of, you know, we've been talking about this performative, like Broadway punk rock kind of energy where it's it's fun sacrilege, right? Like I watch it and I'm like, "Oh, that's yeah. fucking cool. I wish I could have been in the theater to watch like my aunt freak out over this, right?" Right. It it feels safe and fun even though it's it's extreme at times. And then all of a sudden they hit you with a real world heavy ending. You're like, "This is the actual ending of this." Is yep. that he's dead? Mm-hmm. They take his fucking femur to uh, you know, the the Vanessa Redgrave's character and like, "Here's a souvenir." Also, uh, be gone for all time. We don't need you guys anymore. Peace.
1: And now all of a sudden the nuns don't matter again. They're back even, to even nothing. Worse, worse than that, he's like even worse than that, he's like, oh, the town's gonna be demolished and like <laughs> you'll yeah, right. probably be in here when it's demolished. Right. Like he, he, she served her purpose. He you know, she she offered up all of her reed as a sacrificial yeah. lamb and allowed them to raise the town, and now her job is done. It's
0: to that point, I wanted to ask you a question, Ashley, specifically, because a moment that just fucking was awesome to me at the end here. So they're dragging Oliver yes. Reed behind these uh, bodos, these photos, and uh, they stop at the nunnery, right? And mm-hmm. Vanessa Redgraves looks at him and she's like, I'd heard tales of your beauty. And now that I see it up close, uh, I, I know it's true. Something to that, right? That's paraphrasing. And he kind of looks at her and he's like, I hope God forgives you again, paraphrasing. She looks at him for a moment, and we get the sense she tried to hang herself, right? We kind of brushed over that. She tries to kill herself. She tries to repent and say, I've given up an innocent man. And they're like, no, no, that's the devil talking. We're going to get to yeah. raping you. They rape her for trying to tell the mm-hmm. truth. And in that moment, she looks at him, and she could have said something to you know, relieve the other nun. She could have said something to the crowd, and she goes back in on him. What did you make of that moment?
1: just that she's a weak person that she's like she wants to stand up and she wants to tell the truth and she tried to tell the truth and I think she she's you know smarter than she lets on and she knows no matter what she says this is going to happen one way or the other the pieces are in motion and nothing I do is going to stop this and the only thing if I throw myself on this fire, if I walk down this ledge, then they're gonna fucking execute me too. Yeah. And so her retreat is is it's survival. Because, you know, she would get the same. It's like no one's if not, coming works. out of that alive.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. she's you could argue she had already suffered as much, if not more. Right? And then it's because yeah. it felt strange. It's like if you were already willing to go confront your maker right to me it has this very well i'm just gonna live in this hell right this i have to live with this now i have to suffer Mm -hmm. and it just it was such it was just one more indignity right like by the final scene where they throw her the bone and they're like oh now we're gonna go exercise a three-legged dog by that point you're like once she didn't have one ounce of decency left to at least say something to grandier You're like, eh, fuck. (laughs) Like, that wouldn't really... And especially knowing you're going into the black and white ending.
1: I think it was shame. And I think it was also that um, she didn't want to acknowledge the part that she played in this. Because, like you said, this was not her intent to start this big witch trial and have this man killed. She wanted to meet this guy because she's fucking horny for Oliver Reed, as everyone should be. And... amen and she did not intend for it to get out of hand this far and for people to take it and go here with it. And to acknowledge that she was the instigator of it. That's deeply shameful. I don't, I think on some level she wanted to pretend that she was innocent.
0: Yeah. And I wonder if a part of her too, at that point had been so stripped of any dignity that she had had. Right. Cause once those scientists yeah. and Father Dahmer go to work on her, it's just one of those moments in a movie where you're like, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. Like, how do you how does any normal person come back from that? So the shame of not only the yeah. lie, but then just the the fucking suffering. And it, and for a woman who, like you said, feels like this kind of true believer zealot. Um, And again, I do kind of think she is right, because I think she is truly asking God for gifts and this and that. I think it's one of those kind of dirty mm-hmm. secrets of religion is that we all make we all think we're number one on God's list. Right. There's God and then there's me and then there's the rest of these dirty peons behind me. And I think that's just how we all do. Right. Yeah. And so I think. It probably felt very much like an actual immediate punishment. From the God that she claimed, you know, was supposed to help her out and already kind of done her wrong, but was going to give her this gift and then didn't. And she acted like a bad child and, Oh, suffering again. And so they had just so strip mined her by the end of the movie. It was just that, that was one I was like, we could have done with one moment of decency, right? Like give this woman one moment Mm. to kind of match grandiers, you know, false standing tall. Right. I think that would have helped a lot if it were, if it were up to me. (laughs)
1: Well, I don't think they would have listened either, because like when it comes down to it, like let's face it, she's a woman. This is a uber yeah. patriarchal society. She it, she has no value beyond her ability to implicate this man to give them power, and yeah. so nothing she says is going to make a difference. And she knows that too. She knows sure. that her truth does not matter to anyone. It, her, the only, the only person Truth matters to is her God. Yeah, I mean,
0: that's true. Yeah. That's, that's true. Really. But I was like, it. it's weird because, again, I don't think it gets Grandier anything. And it doesn't redeem him at all in mm-hmm. my eyes that he's just like, well, at least I can go out like a cool dude. And I was like, I at least <laughs> wanted that from her. I felt like, I felt like she suffered yeah. a lot. And, again, especially if you're not going to use his wife. I mean, there's just – I was like, just maybe – one moment. One. It's bizarre.
2: Alex, what'd you make of that? Same as you. I mean, there's just, there's just so much... God, there's just so much to unpack for me. Like, meant, like <laughs> in a lot of ways... I feel like, like you could
0: almost do a podcast on, like, every 15-minute increment yeah, of this honestly, movie. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, like, you could do an entire
2: series on 15-minute increments in this movie, but, like, ultimately... Yeah, I think she's. He, I, I feel like Oliver Reed's character, like that whole thing at the end, was so false. Like that's just there's just something about that that always bothered me. Let
0: me ask you this then, okay? So always, I mean, the last
2: after the last two days,
0: yeah, it kind of clicked a light bulb for me, right? Do you think that's a fuck you from her to him when he does the? I hope God forgives you. And he's playing the pious man. Do you think when she starts going devil, devil, Mm. that that's a fuck you. Is that what she's doing? Absolutely. Like, this is like one of the, that kind of works for me. Honestly, that 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 part works
2: for me. (laughs) But that's what I'm saying. That is the part of me that is, that is what makes him so insincere as like a man of God. Like this has nothing to do with like going out like a G. I'm going to make sure that everyone knows that I am the most pious man that came through this town. Bullshit. Everything he (laughs) says When he's being fucking piled on that pyre is literally like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're yeah. definitely not yeah. cool. Really, fuck you. He's just like, like he's just you masturbated me. to me before. Wait yeah. till after this. Well, like the whole, <laughs> there's that scene in, uh there's the, uh, there's a great line. I can't, believe I'm, I can't believe I'm referencing this. Um, The movie 300. When, Good Lord. When Leonidas says to a feet, uh, the, the the hunchback one, he's like, I hope you live forever. Like that was like, when he says that line, I'm like, Jesus Christ, there's way too much allegory here between those two scenes. Like he's like some fucking, some fucking self-righteous asshole saying it to another person with a deformity. Like, come on, man. Are
0: you saying that Vanessa Redgraves was telling
2: them where the goat path was? (laughs) (laughs) No, we're not getting into any of that, but like it's a, but it's the exact same vibe. Like it's literally like, I hope God forgives you. Like I want you to go to heaven and live in blissful eternity knowing full well you totally sent a man to hell. Like, that could be the most damning thing to ever she, say to she someone.
0: going to hell. I mean, assuming well, yes, there was a hell, like, she, she's Assuming going. there's a hell, obviously
2: <laughs> she's going to hell. But for Actually, him to be who like, in this movie wouldn't you, go to hell? I want you to be blissful in the knowledge that you sent an innocent man to his death. Like, that to me is an ultimate fuck you, for sure. I I think it's definitely backhanded, because it's very much
1: like you Absolutely. know i i am i am of greater moral character than you <laughs> yeah. because i'm in this situation and i'm here because i kept my principles right and i'm here in this situation because you did not keep yours and that is what he's saying when he's saying like i i forgive you and hope you go to heaven essentially is <laughs> like he he, he maintains his superiority, and it's like the same thing when he's on the stake. was like he's doing the fuck you all, I'm out of here sort of, you know. Yeah. Thing. I'm going to have it. You all are going to hell. Yeah.
0: Well, don't judge us <laughs> nuns for having our that's, orgy. That's what he's You were basically having orgy too. Yeah, right? You were orgying too, Grandier. <laughs> Chill out. Like, don't yeah. judge me, you fuck. <laughs> all right. Let's close it down. Ashley. Final sales pitch. What did you What did you love sales and will pitch. take away? It's a weird way to phrase it. What will be your takeaway from this movie? And if someone wanders up, what would you kind of sell them this movie as? What did it? What are you, is your
1: takeaway? Oh God, <laughs> the best uh, The best way I could sell this film to someone is to say this film will change you forever. That it's pretty good. It is a lively and a harrowing tale unlike any film that you will ever see in your entire life and it will haunt you for the rest of your days and in a way that I think you will be thankful <laughs> you saw it. Damn
0: that's good. I was just that's gonna say croc way. fight. That's
1: but... the best way I can put
0: it.
2: <laughs> <Croc> sword fight. <laughs> Alex, what do you got? <laughs> um if I w- I'm if I was going to pitch this someone be like, have you ever been to church? Man <laughs> It's boring as hell, right? Watch this instead. That's yeah.
0: It <laughs> Doesn't this look better than sitting in the pews? I, I always exactly think of this I movie. Did. I try to hook people that I think will be repulsed by this, right? Ashley and I are in a, a film group right now for junk food cinema, right? And we do this mandatory film school. And I got assigned Martyrs, mm-hmm. right? Which is one of these hardcore, extreme... And I, I told this guy, I was like, I really liked it. I think behind all the, like, gore and effects, there was a lot of really good art and storytelling, right? And he's like, fuck that, it's torture porn, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, so those are the people you got to reach. Like, who's going to shut this up? So, to me, this is kind of the real-world application of Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, right? Which is, it's this kind of man who thinks he can change everything, but he's a flawed, shitty guy, which is what we really are, unlike Jimmy Stewart in that. And you see the, that the system always wins. The system always crushes us. There's never been a time in history where the state doesn't crush us. It's just how it is. And I was like, so if you want to not watch that pie-in-the-sky camper bullshit, you want to get down and dirty and see some nun orgies, that's your movie. I don't know if that's a great pitch. I'll have to tighten that's, it
2: up. <laughs> that is assuming a lot of sincerity on Oliver Reed's character's part. No,
1: it's it's false and, sincerity. And ultimately, I think the I think the biggest... Uh, (laughs) the biggest point of resistance with this film isn't like the torture, it isn't the religiosity, it isn't the fact that it's got a very grim story at the heart of it, you know, during plague times. I think the real kind of resistance point is the overt uh, theatricality of the film to the point where it will appear corny and ham-fisted and the pageantry will put off a lot of people. Is typical for a Ken Russell film. I think that's what most people watching this movie have the hardest time getting past if they're not used to it. Right. That's a really good point because I
0: always would just assume it's seeing a nun like jerk off a candle. Yeah. Where they're like, ew, God. Mm -hmm. Because there is, especially back, there's always been this weird fear of female sexuality when they're the aggressor. Right. Everyone loves a movie where it's, you know, a female's like, oh, my top fell off. Right. Like a the 80s comedy eras or whatever. But when these nuns are like, no, fuck mm-hmm. you, I'm unleashed and they're doing what they want to do. I think that makes people uncomfortable. Right. So I think it's weird. I That's what I always f- pegged. Is that more than the sacrilegious stuff, because the exorcist sees a little girl do un, unspeakable things with the crucifix. Right. And that was a huge hit. Yeah. I think it's that mm-hmm. extra layer of watching these women come unspooled. I think that might have been the the tipping mm-hmm. point back then.
2: Could be.
1: I I read that one of the missing scenes because this film has been cut down.
2: Yeah, I what's what I'm version? Not sure this is the US version, but there's right? a
1: there's a bunch that's missing. Yeah. Yes, as far as I know, this is the the BFI restored version, right? Which is still missing a bunch of stuff. From what I read, the um, Mark Kermode actually found, like, a bunch of missing scenes from this film, which he's cut back into it, and it's only been screened a handful of times. There's, like, a film print of the full version. (laughs) I would fucking die to see that. Oh, my God. I fucking Um, love those.
2: I fucking love that kind of, like, roadshow shit that floats around in life.
1: I know. It's amazing. But apparently, one of the scenes that got cut out had this pack of nuns like when they're in their you know in their orgy state they basically rape and destroy a statue of jesus
0: yes i found a gif of that that. yeah so like if you look up gifs from this movie uh that is one of the things that was in there because i remember being like what the fuck is that but yeah they go ape shit on that statue and it's kind Mm. of perfect for what this movie is and i think that is that's one of the things i think the movie could have used is giving a little more run to the nuns right actually see what the fuck what is going through their mind right now because again i'm i always wonder that too like do you really just want to go back to that fucking jail cell down there or are they enjoying this again maybe that's their first taste of power and they're going for it
1: yeah it doesn't really explain the psychology behind these girls too well or basically assumes that you'll be able to piece it together on your own and all the pieces are there basically these are a bunch of bored young girls who have been holed away and you know, it feels like a little like, bit of an answer to the crucible. They're like almost. children. Yeah. You know, and they're then to- they're told by power figures. It's like, hey, you need to be horny for the church so that we can show <laughs> how, how how the devil has corrupted everything. They're they're literally told this is what you are. Now do this. And right. they hear it enough times and they see what's happening to Vanessa Redgrave. And so they to them it's practically a game. They're having fun. They're playing. They're putting on a show. And this whether or not they're like sincere and their, you know, erotic portrayals is never really explained, but they're have they're just having fun for yeah. the first time in their lives. They're allowed to put on a show for an audience and they're having a fun old time. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: that is a great way to describe we the devil. That's, that's how I'll sell it to people. It's a good old time. Come on down to the <laughs> devils. It's a good old time. <laughs> Just an old time. Wow, it was good old time. Yeah. All right. Uh, we want to say thank you, Ashley, again, for making time for us. This was awesome. Uh, I'm glad we got oh, to talk about this one. this was a blast. Yeah, you have carte blanche to come back. I
1: enjoyed this a lot. Yeah, come next time we'll anytime. let you pick the movie. I owe you one. <laughs> yeah, you All right. I'll be here next week then. All right. Hell yeah. So what no. film are we covering next week? Uh, solo. Solo. No. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, Another would you like to good, tell – clean family film. Yes.
0: Good old Christian fun. No. Yeah. Uh, would you like to tell everyone one more time where they can find you, Ashley?
1: Yes, you can check me out on Twitter. My handle is at Ashley Lynch. That's mostly where you can find me. Just uh, doing my thing on there and entertaining people.
0: Absolutely. All right. Always. Well, thank you so much for entertaining us tonight. Uh, that's it, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.